So today is Palm Sunday, and it marks the beginning of what you might have heard referred to as Holy Week. Holy Week is the lead up to Easter. So we reflect on the last days of Jesus' life, we remember his journey to the cross, his, his death on Good Friday, and we celebrate his resurrection on Easter Sunday. And it's a time of reflection, it's a time of anticipation as well. It's also kind of a week of mixed emotions, which we get at the minute. I think that is most of our daily experiences right now. Which makes me think that we are particularly well-placed to celebrate Easter this year. Because what this season highlights and celebrates is not just family, it's not just Easter egg hunts or chocolate eggs or even the really good stuff like acts of generosity or giving something up. What this season highlights to us and shows us is our deep need and dependence on Jesus. We are deeply in need of him. We are utterly dependent on him. Earlier in the term, in the first series that we taught on this year, we hadn't really planned it, but we kept coming back to this verse in Luke 6. Some of you might remember this. We spoke about how the people that had been following Jesus early in his ministry, some of them kind of thought, hey, this is too much, and I, I'm not up for this anymore. And they left him. They left him. And Jesus, in a, in a moment of beautiful vulnerability, turns to his disciples, his friends, and says, are you going to go too? And they said to him, to whom else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I don't think it's entirely unrelated that we spent the first part of this year coming back to that statement and now we're living in a moment where that choice has become very real. We've always had a multitude of, of choices and options as to where and to whom we go, where we find our strength. But these choices have been narrowed for us, they've kind of been stripped from us. Leaving what? I think finally leaving room for us to acknowledge that the need that was never satisfied fully by these other things perhaps now has space to be satisfied fully in Jesus. So let's read the story of Palm Sunday together. This is in Matthew 21. You might want to follow along if you have a Bible or your phone with you. I think the scripture is going to come up on the screen as well, so you can read it there or you can just listen. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. All across his ministry, Jesus was just never doing what people expected. Or really, sometimes even what people wanted. He constantly challenged their expectations of him. He never bowed to any pressure to deliver what they expected the Messiah to deliver for them. And we see that again here. This triumphal entry to Jerusalem was not random or spur of the moment. It wasn't like Jesus just got tired walking and sent his friends to go and borrow a donkey. This was very intentional. When Jesus does something, it's with good reason. You see, by entering Jerusalem in this manner for this festival, Jesus was positioning himself as king. Not just the kind of king that they expected, but the kind of king that they needed. Passover is all about celebrating liberation and deliverance, freedom, and and processing to Passover wasn't just something that Jesus was doing at this moment in time. Another leader was coming from the other side doing the same thing. The backstory that we don't have here in Matthew is Uh, but that we know historically, was that Pontius Pilate was also processing into Jerusalem for this festival with with fanfare and flourish. So these, these two processions happening at the same time, bound for the same place and about to be tangled up in the same story, were standing in direct opposition to each other. Pilate, probably on a stallion, a war horse with military prowess and people in fearful submission to him. Jesus on a donkey, coming in peace with songs of joy and shouts of praise surrounding him. Riding on a donkey wouldn't actually have been out of the norm for a king. It was symbolic of something. In times of war, they rode a horse. In peace, they rode a donkey. By entering in this way, in this manner, Jesus is saying, I am bringing peace. His leadership, his reign will be one where peace rules. But crucially, not one where hardship is absent. I mean, remember where he's headed. This journey that starts in joy and celebration and procession will lead to the cross. He's going to Jerusalem to die. It's in the midst of hardship, right in the very face of it, that Jesus is peace. And I think that can bring us real comfort this Palm Sunday Jesus hasn't just started being peace or stopped being peace. The way he postures himself to us has always been as the king of peace. Remember what Andy spoke about last Sunday. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you the way that the world does. Trust in God and trust in me. 
in the midst of hardship, on each of our journeys in every season, this one, the ones past, and the ones to come. Jesus is still the King, and he is the King of Peace. So what what does this mean for us? You know, because this is not a solitary entrance into Jerusalem by Jesus. There are other players on the stage here. The way that the disciples and those with Jesus act, that should speak to us. Everyone was involved. You know, the disciples sent to the nearby village to get the donkey, the giving up of coats and cloaks to lay in the ground and on the colts, cutting down branches from nearby trees. Every voice participating in this declaration, this worship. What this shows us is that in the kingdom of God, this kingdom that Jesus was establishing here, everyone's in. Everyone is welcome. Everyone has a part to play. It is not a spectator sport. Bob Goff is one of my favorite people. He's an American speaker, writer, lawyer, Um, And he has the coolest and craziest stories. He wrote a book called Love Does. Uh, Your book recommendations, I'd imagine, are probably through the roof right now. So I'm not going to add to it. Just read it at some point in your life if you want to. But anyway, in this book, he tells the story of something that he did in his neighborhood. So for the past 25 years, he and his family have thrown a parade for their neighborhood on New Year's Day. It's a big deal. They have like hundreds of balloons and loads of floats and there's music and processions and food and and all of this celebration. People are dressing up and he wanted to do that to love his neighbours and to celebrate with them. But the key thing about this parade is that nobody is allowed to watch the parade. Everyone has to take part. There are no spectators allowed at Bob's parade. Bob wants everyone to know that they're welcome, that they have a part, that their bit matters. And that sounds like something that Jesus would do. And it helps me understand why he wanted everyone involved here. It meant something for them and it means something for us as well. It means something for our our heads. It means something for our minds, our rational selves. Jesus said to his disciples, go to the next village. You'll find a donkey and her colt there. Untie them, bring them to me. And if anyone asks you anything, just tell them that I need them. I mean, it's a pretty great line, right? But I really do not think that the disciples had all of the information that they probably felt they needed in that moment. I mean, can you imagine the conversation on the way to the village? Did he really just tell us to go and steal a donkey? Yeah, I think he did. And and if anybody asks, we're just to say that he needs it? Do you really think that's going to work? I have no idea. I guess we run for it, if not. Part of following this king... Jesus is obeying when we don't understand. Obeying even when we don't have all of the information. (laughs) Who would have imagined? It turns out we're not actually very good at that. Social distancing, anyone? We (laughs) will rarely have all of the information that we think we need all of the time when following Jesus, but we will have 
just enough. We will have exactly what we need. The essential element will be, do we trust him? The disciples may have been puzzled, they may even have been nervous when untying this donkey and colt, but they still did it. Why? Not because they were scared of Jesus, not because they had been brainwashed by him, but because they knew him. They, they loved him and they trusted him. They knew that even when he asked them to do something that they didn't fully understand and that didn't make sense, they could still trust him. And that's the clincher for obedience. Because obedience out of fear is not obedience, it's control. Obedience out of love is liberating. I wonder how many times God has prompted us to do something, say something, text someone, maybe even in the last few weeks, and we haven't done it because we've thought, that's too random, I barely even know them, that would be so out of the blue, that doesn't make sense. Obedience, even when we don't understand or have all the information, maybe even especially then, means that we get to take part. We still get to take part. If they hadn't gone, they would have been spectators in an event that was meant to be fully participatory. Where have you been been spectating when you've been welcomed to take part? Obedience is something I think that is rarely seen. It's often quiet and quite often it's small too. We will have a multitude of opportunities for obedience over this next while. They just won't be seen by a lot of people. Will we choose an obedient yes to Jesus? It means something for what we hold as well, for what's in our hands. We see real sacrificial worship on display here. We, we read that they took off their cloaks for the colt and to lay them on the ground. That's really significant because in those days, you probably only had one coat or cloak and you didn't take it off for just anybody. This was an action that was reserved solely for royalty. They looked around to see what they had to use in their worship and then they just gave that. Coats or cloaks, branches from the tree. They used whatever they had to honour their king. We've seen beautiful displays of sacrifice and, and generosity in our world in the past few weeks from the priest in Italy who gave up his ventilator so that someone younger could have it to a story that I read just this week about someone spotting a paramedic in Little and paying for their shopping. Those are our grand gestures. They, they give us hope. But not every day is going to be full of grand gestures. Like obedience, sacrificial worship for us is maybe going to be something that's much more unnoticed in this season. It might be honouring our rhythm of Sabbath, even though our schedules have been turned upside down. Or maybe still getting up early in the day to sit with Jesus in the morning, even though our home has now become our school, our uni, our office, our coffee shop, our social space.
sacrificial worship for these guys in this story was simply, what do I have? A cloak? Coat? These branches? Well then, I give that. I give that. What do you have? What's in your hands? Or maybe, what's not in your diary anymore, allowing you way more time than you maybe have had before? How can you give that? Cloaks and branches weren't flashy, they were very ordinary. Jesus is not looking for flashy worship. Your very ordinary expressions of worship are so beautiful to him. I was so struck by that on Wednesday night, this week, after our Zoom prayer meeting, Zach and Lindsay did some live stream worship for us from their living room, and, and I was texting a friend at the time who said, it is so powerful to worship like this, even though I'm on my own, in my flat, knowing that I am worshiping with others all around the city. It wasn't flashy, it was real. And ultimately, what we are led to in the end is, is not just a matter of our heads or our, our hands, what we have, what we hold. It's a matter of the heart. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. These aren't just words of worship that bubbled up spontaneously. This is a declaration. They come from Psalm 118, which every Jew would have known as a messianic psalm, a song of worship about the coming Messiah, the one that they've been waiting on. So when they sing this song, when they shout these words, they're saying, it's you. We believe that it's you. We believe that you're the king. You're the one we've been waiting on. And that word Hosanna, it's not just a generic word of praise. It means save us, save us now. They're saying not only do we believe that you are who you've said you are, but we believe that you can do what you've said you'll do. Is the same true for us? Is Jesus the true king of our lives? Maybe you've known Jesus a really long time. Or maybe you're wondering why on earth you're still watching this thing. But it's the same for all of us. Jesus is the king, the king of peace. He's the one who can save us completely and make us whole. It's a matter of the heart. Is he the true king of our lives? It doesn't mean that you live in oblivion. It doesn't mean that you live immune to life's trials. It doesn't mean that you never get scared or that right now you're just floating blissfully above everything that's happening. What it does mean is that all of our worries and our fears, as well as our joys and our delights, have a destination. Jesus. We're not staring into a void. We're not shouting into an abyss. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, Jesus. After all this, they finally get to Jerusalem. And look what we read. 
When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. The world is stirred right now. Our nation is stirred. Edinburgh is stirred. As, as Christians, we get to pray that people won't be stirred by fear or anxiety, but that they will be stirred by Jesus. Like I said at the beginning, our, our normal roots of dependence have been taken away bit by bit. And so what's left is the reality that our need was not for those things entirely, but that our need was for something much deeper. Something that maybe we couldn't quite put our finger on before, or that maybe had gotten a little buried among the busyness. We are in need of Jesus. That's the truth that I think we come to today. We are in need of Jesus. So for us, will, will we obey even when we don't understand? What's the sacrifice of worship that we can bring? And ultimately, is, is Jesus really the true king of our lives? Let me pray for us. So Jesus, we have come to a point where we recognize our deep need of you. We know that we're in need. We want to both declare you as king in our lives and we want to declare that we believe that not only you are who you said you are, but that you can do what you said you'll do. So our cry of Hosanna, save us now, is true today. We need you, but we know as well that we have a part to play. We know that there is obedience that you're asking of us. And so we want to obey you, not because we're scared of you, but because we love you and we can trust you. We want to know your peace in the midst of hardship and trial, in the face of it. And we want to give what we have Will you show us today, on this Palm Sunday, what our sacrifice of praise is to you? And then will you help us go do it? So come Holy Spirit, be present with us, work in our lives, bring that peace where we so desperately need it, and spur us on to what you have for each of us. Amen.